identify where our judgments are because those are areas where we're cutting um, our contact with ourself out. And the more contact we cut with ourself out, the more contact we cut out of our relationships because if you cut contact with any part of yourself out, that part can't be present in relationship with others, even the people you love. And when enough people do that in the world, then we have a world population who is actually so disconnected from themselves that they can never really be conscious of what's truly happening in the world right in front of them, and that leads to a crisis or to wars. Welcome to Living 4D with Paul Check. Today's episode is a solo podcast with Paul discussing how to create stability in times of crisis. This is particularly relevant today, given the COVID-19 pandemic that is affecting pretty much everyone at the moment. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Living 4D with me, Paul Check. Today, I'd like to talk about creating stability in times of crisis. I was in the middle of finishing my upcoming podcast series titled, Is Your Religion Mentally Healthy? With my first downloadable audio course anyone can purchase to help them heal the many challenges of religious programming and trauma, when my soul said, stop and share a message with people about how to create stability in times of crisis. So that message is now here, as you can see by the title of my podcast today. And my dream is to share the essentials of what I've learned in my life about how to create stability in times of crisis. And yes, I have lived through my share of crisis events. <laughs> oh yes. Ranging from my father's death to our house burning down to significant ongoing violence in my family as a child, to my brother committing suicide, to divorce from my first wife for 17 years, which was quite an inner crisis to get through that and not lose connection to her and my son, because I love them both, to multiple other deaths in the family, to being bankrupt and losing almost everything I had, to a number of serious injuries, to losing, to almost losing the Czech Institute in 2008 during the stock market crash. So I have some experience with crisis situations. In fact, I joined the army when Grenada was going on due to the Soviet missile crisis because at the time I felt it was my duty to protect our country from what seemed like a legitimate threat at the time. Fortunately, just as I finished my training as a paratrooper, the crisis came to an end and the paratroopers I was soon to join on the battlefield all came home, <laughs> most of which were on the Army boxing team, uh, or, or at least a lot of them. Of the Army, 28 guys on the Army boxing team, 27 of them were paratroopers, so uh, I got to hear all about it. I'm glad I didn't have to go over there. I would have, but I was glad I didn't have to. So today I'd like to start with the big picture. Because I think it helps to have a big picture view. When we're in a, a, a pandemic situation or a crisis like we are, it's very easy for people to get myopic, which is kind of like having your face so close to the TV screen, all you see is pixels or little dots of color, but you have no idea what the big picture really is. If you study the history of the world, you will soon learn that the Earth herself has gone through a long series of catastrophic events, from the impacts of asteroids to shifts in 
tectonic plates to raging volcanoes and massive storms to the five previous mass extinctions. Experts say we're now entering the sixth mass extinction, which sadly we have initiated in large part by our abuse of science, chemistry, and technology. And a great book that gives you some important facts on this issue is The Future of Life by Edward O. Wilson, a very highly respected uh, naturalist expert in nature who has received over, I think, 100 awards in science. Very potent read. If you, uh, if you study the history of religion and government, you'll see <laughs> clearly that there's been a very long string of manipulation of people in pretty much all lands, and that more wars have been fought over issues of what God wants or who God's chosen people are than almost any other cause of death. Richard Wilhelm clearly highlights this process in China in his excellent translation of the Tao Te Ching, and you can read A History of God, The 4,000-Year Quest of Judaism, Christianity, and Islam by Karen Armstrong, which is a very potent eye-opener in this regard. If that doesn't make it clear to you how very dangerous religious belief systems are to the survival of man, uh, and, and wars are disruptive to nature as well, you can study a great program by the uh, thegreatcourses.com called How the Crusades Change History, course number 3931 by Professor Philip uh, Dialeader, PhD. Again, that's at thegreatcourses.com. I've personally studied a number of courses on the Crusades. And uh, <laughs> get ready to have your stomach turned and be appalled at what human beings will do in the name of religion, due to each other, that is, or shall I say, how dangerous belief systems can be. So to understand what forces have led to the pandemic and global situation we are in, which is backed by a number of agendas that big corporations are doing the best to keep you from being aware of by screening public forums and removing anything that goes against their agenda, I highly recommend a book titled The Three Dimensions of Freedom by British singer-songwriter and very intelligent man, Billy Bragg. The Three Dimensions of Freedom is a very short but potent read, and the audiobook version is just under two hours of some of the most important truth and most potent truth of our times that you will ever read. The issues at hand will be more obvious than obvious if you go through the book. And again, I can't recommend it enough. My buddy Jerry Pape, who's a very deep guy, turned me on to it. And uh, I was not only impressed, but it just reminded me of how valuable this uh, pandemic or crisis we're in is for us all to really reevaluate how we're living and what we're participating in consciously or unconsciously, and I'll get into that soon. Now, with all that said, we can celebrate the fact that we haven't, inter uh, we haven't entered into another world war. Uh, my wife Penny's parents lived through World War II in England and watched as they ran for cover as the city was blown to pieces by bombings, and uh, that's certainly a lot more serious than anything we've got going on right now, so we can all be grateful, very grateful, that we're not in some kind of a war situation. So as crazy as things are for us all right now, we're only inconvenienced at this point, and most of the people challenged by the corona, uh, coronavirus are the very people at risk from dying of almost any uh, opportunistic organism or things like the seasonal flu, 
And um, I did share on my YouTube channel, which is for those of you that may not know, youtube.com forward slash Paul C-H-E-K live. Uh, and it's titled your COVID-19 coronavirus protection plan. And believe it or not, it's still up. <laughs> I was impressed. They didn't take it down. And Billy Bragg addresses the real issues behind the show in the three dimensions of freedom. And I will highlight a little bit of what he offers in his book as we go forward here. Though it isn't my intention to share what I personally feel is going on right now, but to share some of my life experience and wisdom as to, as to uh, how to get through a crisis like this, and it's wise to remember that there will be more. My preferred source of up-to-date information on what I would consider the real issues of the coronavirus pandemic is Sawyer G. and Kelly Brogan, MD's excellent website, www.greenmedinfo.com. That's green medinfo.com. Once there, you can subscribe to the newsletter and stay well informed with a holistic viewpoint on all the relevant issues. You can scroll down to the uh, on the homepage to find very important relevant videos that you can watch to get to the heart of the matters at hand here. But brace yourself. <laughs> Going here will only reinforce the truth, truth of what Billy Bragg shares in his book, The Three Dimensions of Freedom, and that many other great authors have warned us about, all the way back to the first great economist, Adam Smith, who I've studied, who in the 1700s clearly warned, very clearly warned, what happens when corporations and corporate interests infiltrate government. And I'll talk more about what government is and you know the importance of us being aware of that as we move on. The next thing I'd like to talk about is a really important topic that a lot of people <laughs> are unaware of <laughs> while they're aware of it. They're just, they remain unconscious of it. And that topic is impermanence. One of the most fundamental teachings of the Buddha is Anicca, which means impermanence. Rightly, the Buddha encouraged all his students not to get caught up in desires for things and to create uh, and to come to the realization that all things, even the universe itself, are subject to the law of impermanence, which means things come and go. Nothing lasts forever. One of the biggest challenges for us is that our ego loves to create the illusion that it is in control. And it has a deep fear of change or losing its way or not getting what it wants. I think any of you that has spent any time observing yourself <laughs> would know that. I certainly know. I have these tendencies. Um, you know, and, and there's nothing wrong with the ego, but we do need to be aware of where it's actually creating limitation for us personally and collectively. Now, on the flip side of the coin from impermanence is perfection. And perfection is the functional opposite of impermanence, for that which is perfect cannot change, and therefore there is no movement, no experience, or time. And there's a hint about God in there for the deep thinkers among you, because many have the illusion that what we call God is synonymous with perfection. But if that was the case, you would not be here. The universe would not be here nothing would be moving. There would be no space-time or time-space, for movement is one of the most essential archetypes. In fact, life is movement, and perfection does not move. 
the perfection is in the imperfection, which I've talked about in previous podcasts. I referred to Fred Allen Wolf's discussion of the Buddhist principle of dukkha, which is the equivalent of an axle uh, or, or a, a wagon wheel with a wobbly axle. And uh, it's one of the descriptions of dukkha, is, which means imbalance, is, is the, the necessary imbalance that allows life to keep moving, the seasons to keep changing, and for evolution to exist. So right out of the gate here, you can see that the ego fears change, but change is the law of the universe and all in it. And the ego often seeks perfection, which is an attempt to attain an illusion that is itself antagonistic to the constant flux of change that allows life to exist. So there's a little paradoxical polarity for you. The truth is impermanence, but a lot of us were programmed, particularly by religious upbringings, to try to be perfect people because we believe God is always watching and things like that. And the attempt to be perfect is really an attempt to be loved. And there's all sorts of stuff. I won't go off on a wild goose chase on the issue of perfection, but it is something that really plagues a lot of people. I know it's one of the most common things I work with, particularly with uh, in successful females from our culture. I've had many clients that really struggled with perfectionism. And you might have uh, listened to my podcast with Greg Schmoss on mental OCD and mental health, and he really uh, suffered from challenges with perfectionism as well, and we talked about that. So my first suggestion for getting through the crisis we are in is to remember that what is here today is gone tomorrow, and what comes tomorrow will be gone soon enough. Surely you've come to realize this when dealing with such issues as your health, marriages, contracts, bosses, people you don't like, uh, people you do or <laughs> maybe people that you do like. Uh, there's lots of people I really do like that have died or are no longer here. Um, or people that I really did like and I thought like me, but turned out that they didn't. And that can be painful, but that's part of impermanence. I still love them. We've all, a lot of us have lost pets. <laughs> we've lost pets too. Uh, we've lost money. Um, your status in society or social groups can come and go. And we're all born. We become a child. We go through puberty, hopefully become an adult. Uh, there's a little joke in there. And we all get old and die. That said, I don't know about you, but I certainly believe that the great cosmic drama, uh, cosmic drama is truly amazing. I really do. Now, one time, uh, you know, I, I was worked with the monks when I was young from the Self-Realization Fellowship, Paramahansa Yogananda's monks, and they tell a, a, a true story about one time when Yogananda was giving a lecture to a very large audience of people during one of his initial visits to the United States, and he was telling the audience that God is love, and a man in the audience got quite perturbed, and he, normally you raise your hand, but he just stood up and, and in, interjected and said to Yogananda, how can you say that God is love with all the death, the war, the violence, and kids being killed and raped and pedophilia and all this kind of stuff? And Yogananda paused and then looked at him and said, sir, do you like movies? 
And the man said, yes. He said, do you like a little shoot 'em up when you watch a movie? And the man said, yes. He said, how about a plot twist? And the man said, yes. And then he looked at him with a little grin and said, do you like a little steamy sex now and then too? And the man said, yes. And Yogananda smiled and said, so does God. So what's the deep message there? Be careful about your illusions of what you think God is. God is unable to experience the truth of itself by only uh, experiencing the good. Without what we call evil, there could be no good, just like there could be no north without south. And we will get into that a little bit more. But we're all experiencing life together. We're all growing consciousness together. And it is through the conscious growth that we have the universe itself gains consciousness. Anytime you gain more conscious awareness, so too does the universe because you are an expression of the universe. You couldn't be here without all of it. And um, <laughs> obviously it wants you and I here, all of us here, or we wouldn't be here. And it loves to write grand stories within which we are each actors, actresses, um, crew, etc. And the world is the grand stage. And so here we all are in the great drama. So I think it's important to realize that we can live fully and play our part authentically, but we also can gain enough consciousness to realize that we're not actually trapped in any given role. We can rewrite the script. Uh, we can be co-creators in the script. And that's what really I'm inviting all of us to do here today. So here's a meditation I'd like to offer. Try writing the word impermanence on a piece of paper. Then if you'd like to go a little deeper, close your eyes and ask your soul or your inner self to give you an image of impermanence that you can sketch under the title impermanence. Next, place the word in the sketch in front of you and take a seat on the floor or in a comfortable chair or even lay down if you prefer and look at the word and your sketch with a soft gaze and just hold your focus on your, your sketch and the word impermanence and allow your mind to relax while holding the question, is impermanence essential to life? Or how does impermanence express itself through life? And just be with it. If your mind starts to wander, just ask your soul, your inner self, the consciousness within the question, is impermanence essential to life? And if you wander, just keep coming back and um, relax. As you experience what your mind or the mind of the universe, which is sometimes referred to as big mind, offers you, you can stop and jot some notes for yourself on a piece of paper and then jump back into the meditation or just allow what rises within you to come. And when you get to the point of a deep understanding, which may take a series of meditations for some people, then take some notes. After taking notes, the next thing to do is write down how your new awareness of the necessity of impermanence can be used to help you let go of fear, resistance, and become more fluid so you can more naturally adapt to and flow with life. Also knowing you can do your part to influence positive change in the world. Just letting go of fear and engaging the undulations of life 
in an adult spiritual manner can be instant medicine for you and all whom you engage moving forward. And that is world healing right there. That's If we can do that while we're in this lockdown situation, we're really getting a great benefit out of the whole thing, in my opinion. Hi, everybody. I know we've all been facing a lot of stress with this coronavirus pandemic, and it's easy to fall into addictive eating behaviors and narrow our diet choices and end up feeling worse and wishing we'd have more self-control. I know I've done that to myself a number of times over the years. The good news is that Organifi has a lot of excellent certified organic superfoods, drinks, and supplements that will immediately make your body happy, calm your emotions, and stabilize your mind. But that's not all. One of the big challenges most people face is a lack of variety in their diets, and Organifi products provide us with many essential nutrients that help us with optimal nutrition and stress management in general. Let's look at some of their products to see all the amazing nutrients available to you to enhance your nutrient variety. Organifi's organic green juice contains moringa, chlorella, mint, spirulina, beets, matcha green tea, wheatgrass, and ashwagandha, which is an excellent adaptogen or stress-relieving herb. Their complete protein contains pea protein, quinoa, pumpkin seed, coconut, vanilla bean, monk fruit, real whole food vitamins, and digestive enzymes to support optimal absorption. Organifi Gold is an all-natural organic superfood tea with superfoods to boost immunity, help you fall asleep faster, and sleep deeper. It contains turmeric, ginger, reishi mushroom, turkey tail mushroom, lemon balm, and black pepper piperine. Now, I'm willing to bet that the grand majority of you that are listening to me right now are not getting the amazing benefits from the nutrients I just mentioned, all of which help support your immune system, deepen sleep and overall recovery, and significantly enhance your overall nutrient profile. I can't think of a better way to support your body, emotions, and mind as we all take advantage of this extra time due to the pandemic to optimize our overall health and nutrition as we get ready to go back to work looking, feeling, and thinking our very best. Go to Organifi.com and check out their amazing product line. To get your Living 4D with Paul Check discount at checkout, use the code capital C, capital H, capital E, capital K, 20. To get to know Drew Canoli, the founder of Organifi, listen to my Living 4D podcast number 64, Drew Canoli, UBU, and I think you'll really be impressed with Drew and know why I love selling his products because his values are very aligned with mine. So once again, to get your excellent discount on checkout from Organifi, O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com, use the code, capital C, capital H, capital E, capital K, 20. Enjoy. Now I'd like to talk about mind and consciousness. Dan Siegel, MD's definition of mind is the best I've found, and I've looked a lot. I have many books on this issue. And it's very important to understanding the nature of your mind and mind itself. So let's look at the definition. Mind is an embodied and relational process that regulates the flow of energy and information. So let's look at that. Mind is an embodied and relational process. That means whatever mind is, it's embodied. And the greatest term for embodiment we all have is 
universe. Now, even if there is a multiverse, it would all have to come from the same source. In other words, just as a body has parts, or there are many bodies, you could say all humans have human genes, all human beings are products of the earth, the sun, the moon, the stars, but we have to say, where does everything come from? So at some point, you have to have a, an overarching definition for that from which all emerges. The most commonly used definition for source is God. Um, it could also be pure potential in science, which is fine with me. I like that one too. It gets rid of all the, the God baggage. So it is embodied and it's relational. For example, if you're thinking, you're in a relational process. If you're thinking about how are you going to, you know, get your chores done in the amount of time you have, or how are you going to fix the broken light in your bedroom, or any such thing, there's a relational process. But one of the reasons that mind functions is because it ba it's basically a cutting device. For example, if I say, do you see the apples on the tree out there? And there's a lemon tree on either side of the apple tree. By the fact that I've mentioned apple, you already know that the description cuts out the lemon trees and to look at the apple tree. So without mind, there can be no conscious awareness of anything because behind mind is pure awareness and that is a non-dual experience. Mind is something that requires duality to function. And it is the illusion that we don't know that leads to questions that are essentially what makes mind happen. If you knew everything there was to know, you'd certainly have no reason to think there would, you'd have no questions. Um, you, you would know all that is. So um, <laughs> the fact that the universe has a mind is also a tip that maybe God doesn't know all that is yet. And one of the things God or consciousness or potential consciousness in all caps in this case doesn't know is what we're all going to do with this little pandemic and this little crisis we have on our hands. So it's probably quite entertaining for Source to be looking into because what we do is what Source does. So it's an embodied and relational process that regulates the flow of energy and information. Well, big mind regulates the flow of energy and information. If you study physics and quantum physics, at the very roots of existence, there's nothing but energy and information. Everything boils down to energy and information, which was quite nicely encapsulated by Einstein's equation, E equals mc squared. <clears throat> Without going into that, which some people like Nassim Harriman uh, question, but either way, it still makes a good point. Mind is an embodied and relational process that regulates the flow of energy and information, which means your own mind, the thoughts you think, the choices you make, consciously or unconsciously, are regulating the flow of energy and information in your body, and too much or too little energy leads to health problems. Too much or too little information leads to health problems. Too much or too little energy and or information in any society or even family or culture leads to health problems. So we can all 
just simply go into meditation and ask this question, where is there too much energy in the world today? And where is there not enough? Where is there too much information in our own world, in the world today? And where is there not enough? Well, look no further than your phone or your television and realize that we're trading more information every 24 hours, according to Google's research, than we have uh, probably in the previous 99.999% of existence uh, amongst our own existence as human beings. So people are getting so much energy that it's paralyzing. I'm seeing so much information. And if you look at the way people are living, they're not following the kind of things that I teach with four doctors and six foundation principles. So they go into energy deficits, but then they reach for things to stimulate them and they end up with too much energy, which overloads the system. So they go into this yo-yo from high fire to burnout to high fire to burnout, which is extremely hard on one's physiology, which leads to the kind of stresses that I will speak to later. But when we talk about mind, well, the function of mind is to produce information that is conscious so we can work with it. So, you know, let's talk about consciousness. Without mind or individual mind, there can be no consciousness. And without consciousness, you'd essentially be a zombie. But, you know, that's not true because you're listening to me right now. A zombie wouldn't be able to do that. You'd be, you know, a computer doesn't have its own mind because it doesn't really have any awareness of what information is flowing through it. Now, Edward Edinger, MD, who is a psychiatrist and union analyst and an incredible writer and teacher, in his excellent book titled The Creation of Consciousness, Jung's Myth for Modern Man, which is Inner City Books, 1984, page 32, Edinger defines consciousness as follows. Consciousness is a psychic substance which, it is, which is produced by the experience of opposites, and here's the key part, suffered not blindly, but in living awareness. So what is he saying? Consciousness is a psychic, psychic substance. That means consciousness is real. It's tangible. You know you're listening to me right now. It's tangible. It's produced by the experience of opposites. Male, female, hot, cold, up, down, in, out, good, evil, should, shouldn't, do, don't do, etc. Because you can't be conscious of everything, as I was saying with mind, so you have to be conscious of something, which requires that cutting function. And so we have to exclude out of the massive sea of information in the world and the universe what we will put our awareness on. And he continues saying, suffered not blindly, but in living awareness, which means you can have information right in front of you, but be unconscious or distracted and not actually be in a place to take advantage of it. So here's a meditation for you. Meditate on whether or not the information has been right in front of us 
that we're losing control of our governments due to large corporations like Google, Facebook, and the military-industrial complex, the oil industry, and the list goes on. And how much of that information has been right in front of us for a long time, but people are just too busy uh, buying BMWs, eating Twinkies, and getting cell phones upgraded to pay attention or share their opinion. How many of us have been watching all the way back to Ronald Reagan and then the George Bush Sr. and then George Bush Jr. Uh, all the way up till now as presidents stripped away protection from nature, stripped away nature reserves, stripped away the, e and, uh, the uh, Environmental Protection Agency's ability to inform the public and uh, change what we do or don't do to protect nature. How many of these organizations and presidents have stripped away our personal rights, etc.? So there was information right in front of us, but we were not living in awareness. So this means that consciousness is real. It is something, a psychic substance. And without consciousness, we can have no awareness of ourselves, others, the world, or the life process. But as I said, it requires opposites. But really, they shouldn't be seen as opposites, just like yin and yang are not opposites. They're complementary opposites. The complementary opposite, for example, between good and evil is that you wouldn't know what good was without evil, and you wouldn't know what evil was without a relative good. You wouldn't know what healthy was without sick, or free was without uh, bondage, etc. So they're not diametric opposites. They are complementary opposites, and they are all relative. What one thinks is evil is fairly normal or even good to some others. For example, just look at sexual practices and boom, you hit the bullseye. Uh, what you might love, someone else might want you thrown in jail for. I don't know. It's, it's just the way it is out there. But it's what makes the world beautiful and diverse. The challenge to all of us is not so much being conscious as it is remaining unconscious. In other words, because we're falling into traps that keep us unconscious, and I'll allude to that in a second, we're not really using our conscious capacity. Being unconscious literally means being unaware. Today we're in a pandemic situation largely because we have fallen into the trap of using technology to make our lives so easy that we don't have to think. And that includes all forms of social media, from TVs to phones to computers to radio, newspapers, magazines, and books full of biased opinions, often not sharing uh, truth, but often presenting biased truths as facts. Uh, in my upcoming, or in my podcast that you've probably listened to, hopefully by now, with Irvin Laszlo, he warns that uh, what we think of as scientific fact is often just the marketing scams of technologists operating under the guise of scientists. So we fall into the trap of using technology to get answers to most any question we have, but believing what we read or see without looking into the issues of our day for ourselves. We remain unconscious by being stuck in a belief system that ignores opposing viewpoints. And uh, a great book on that is The Religious Case Against Belief by James A. Carse. And it's powerful, 
reading, and you may have heard my podcast with James Carse on his book, Finite Infinite Games, which is one of my absolute favorite podcasts. Deep, deep guy. So many think this is really a viral pandemic and believe in the death Uh, totals as facts, when if they were more holistic in their thinking and looked at both sides of the relevant opinions, which is why I suggested Green Med Info, so you can have a holistic viewpoint, and with a willingness to be open-minded, you'll be more well-informed and capable of making much better decisions as to how you participate in addressing the real issues as opposed to the illusions being presented as facts. There are generally equally qualified experts on any side of any argument or debate with equally qualified opinions, but it's always up to us to use our own minds to make our own decisions after being open-minded and weighing the evidence that we encounter. And that's really what it means to be a healthy individual, or more appropriately to be an adult. It means to think one of the things of, of an adult, being an adult, is thinking for yourself, but thinking effectively. David Bohm beautifully said, real thinking is challenging. That's why most people just rearrange their prejudices and call it thinking. And you see this whenever there's a dogma, whenever there's a belief system. All you got to do is vote. start talking about uh, your opinions on vaccination or Um, circumcision or politics or women's rights or almost anything. And you will have all sorts of people who have hard opinions that they will attack you with, but have not ever been brave enough to evaluate the information that is in opposition to their viewpoint because they simply don't want to know. And that's one of the challenges we have in a world where so many of the people, including adults, are still actually only developed to the level of a child psychologically. So now let's have a look at the topic of the unconscious and the shadow as part of our journey here. Now, physiology studies reveal that our brains only make Uh, bring into consciousness about 10 to 100 bits of information out of the approximately 9 billion bits of information gathered by our senses per second. And in fact, more current resources I've looked at say that we have as many 30 billion bits a second of information being processed through our body, our our nervous system, and our physiological systems. And the 10 to 100 bits chosen for conscious awareness are influenced largely by what the body or our ego perception is biased, essential to survival. That means that the brain and the nervous system is always looking for potential threats. This means there's a lot of information available to us at any given time uh, that we're accessing, i.e. up to 30 billion bits a second, but we are unconscious of it and we are oriented for biological survival to focus on perceived threats. So when we're in a time of crisis, if our bodies aren't healthy, if our relationships aren't healthy, if our mindset is closed, then we don't have the ability to be open-minded, which means we see the threats and we even manufacture them in our heads 
But without an open mind, you don't have access to both halves of your brain, and the right brain is really oriented toward seeing the big picture, so you end up with your nose stuck on the TV screen, and all you see is death, pandemic, people dying, but you don't see what are the real possibilities, what are the opportunities for us, um, what is the handwriting on the wall, and what is it that we've been overlooking, and why have we been overlooking it? Hi, everyone. Hippocrates said a wise man should consider that health is the greatest of human blessings and learn by his own thought to derive benefit from his illness. I couldn't have said it better myself. Holistic Lifestyle Coach Level 1 is a course I designed for the public so they could learn highly practical methods for improving their health immediately. It expands on the key teachings of my book, How to Eat, Move, and Be Healthy, and gives you much more. Angie Check, nutritionist and highly qualified shaman, co-teaches this amazing course with me. And of the many things you'll learn, you'll learn all about how to work with your body to identify the right diet for your personal needs, and you'll be amazed how you feel when you let your own body guide you to health. In all the many years I've offered this course, I've never had anything but excellent feedback. Now's your chance to get healthy, vital, and share your love with the world. You can get this online now at chekinstitute.com forward slash HLC1 online. Listeners of Living 4D will receive $100 off. Yes, that is $100 off. With the whole coronavirus pandemic, we want to give you every opportunity to get healthy and vital and learn from the illnesses of man. On checkout, use the code L4DHLC. All small case, no caps. That's L4DHLC. This is sure to be the best investment you'd ever made in yourself or your family. I hope you enjoy it, and as always, love your feedback. Now, anyone that's ever done psychedelics is quite aware of what happens when the ego's filtration system is made porous, and a lot more of the unconscious information makes it into consciousness. Your whole world changes, and your experience is massively richer if you can handle that much information. Now, if you have a lot of shadow material in there, you'll be exposed to that, and it can be quite traumatic, and that's what people refer to as a bad trip. But if you have a lot of love in you, wait until <laughs> you see what happens when you experience all that love consciously. It can change you quickly for the better. Which is why there's a new craze for psychedelics all over the world. People are desperately seeking connection and finding ways to feel love again and, and reconnect to each other and to the planet. And uh, I think Mother Earth is giving us something out of her real medicine chest. So now that we have more time to be alone with ourselves, we have time to pay attention to the rest of the information coming to us from our environment. A great place to start is uh, simply with how your body looks and feels, what are the emotions you're feeling, how's your breathing, or are you not breathing effectively? Are you afraid and holding your breath, or are you hyperventilating because you think something terrible is going to happen? And you can also look at all the essentials that a body needs to be healthy. In my um, 
video I mentioned earlier that I did for your coronavirus protection plan, I go through all these essentials for you. So you have uh, a great meditation there, a great chance to do some good observational work. If we don't care for our bodily needs, our body projects fear impulses to the brain to try and encourage you to do things like rest, eat real food, drink clean water, breathe, move your body, and to encourage you to keep it healthy. And you're nervous system and body and mind may tell you to avoid uh, stressful relationships and hopefully to make more love. So if we listen to the information rising from within our body, instead of drugging it or ignoring it or convincing ourselves that we're too busy to deal with it, then it's really telling us, just like when your stomach's empty, it's saying, go get some food. When your colon's full, it's saying, go have a poop. When your bladder's full, it's not saying, take a pill to get rid of the pain of having a full bladder. It's saying, go follow the urge and allow your body to have the freedom from all that pressure. You'd be shocked how many people ignore all these things. And when you get this many people living that way, you certainly have a real issue with clear thinking creative thinking and open-mindedness because they're in a body-driven perpetual state of fear. So once we do these things, we don't have the uh, physically-based fear issues arising to commandeer our consciousness, and we can focus on the big picture of our life and are likely to have more energy to engage our life and relationships more honestly and fully. Right now, most people around the world have time to be present with themselves and gain the many benefits of putting their awareness into their choices and the consequences of them. And so that is the gift that we have. We really are being given a strange and wonderful gift. How it came is strange. Now, yes, there are people out there that are financially strapped right now, but there's financially strapped people in the middle of an economic boom. Yes, there's less of them, But before the pandemic happened, there was almost 2 billion people in the world with no food, no clean water, no shelter, and everybody was so busy they weren't even thinking about it. But now that maybe some of us are facing financial uh, stress or real challenges, or maybe don't have enough money to buy food, we're starting to get a taste of what it's like to be that way. And this is a great chance for all of us to say, hey, maybe it's time for us to really start caring for the rest of the people in the world that aren't so healthy and so privileged. And maybe it's time for us to spend $2 trillion on a public awareness campaign for how to have a healthy diet and lifestyle instead of compensating for a bunch of corporate um, silliness and manipulation and greed. So for me, these are real, honest meditations, and these are the things that we can do when we have the time for deep thinking. So now I'd like to talk about the personal and the collective shadow. Because we're each enculturated, we learn quickly to to repress the parts of ourselves that differ from the consensus norm. Which or or the consensus norm is is that which is unique to our culture, race, religious beliefs, education, laws, and other social factors. So, a consensus norm is it's normal to go downtown, uh, go shopping, and wear shorts and a t-shirt and some shoes. But if you jump out of your car butt naked and go walking through the supermarket, 
that would be an act that departs from the consensus norm. So if you have the urge to do that, you would have to control that urge. If that's an urge that is perpetual in you, such as it is for most, a lot of young kids love to run around naked, then eventually you have to repress it and it becomes shadow material. So anything that you repress with any rapidity ultimately gets pushed down into what's called the shadow or the unconscious. What we repress from conscious awareness so we can fit in and have a better chance of feeling loved or feeling safe with people does not stop influencing us. Remember, about 95% of the total stream of your consciousness is unconscious. You don't have awareness of how your body does the magic of digestion, elimination, growth, and repair, or keeping your heart beating and breathing, etc., but it is happening because it's unconsciously regulated. Just as your body keeps happening, keeps you happening, as long as you are alive and you're being governed by your unconscious mind, so your sense of self keeps happening, but it's also important to remember that as your sense of self keeps happening and it's driven by the unconscious, so too is it influenced by the shadow elements that we have repressed. And this, you know, if you look at this like I do with people that are creating problems in their life or have diseases or serious relationship problems or addictions, you find shadow is is very, very potent and very alive. In fact, that's when most of my clients start to squirm in their therapy because it's can be quite uncomfortable to look at your shadow, especially if you're having a hard time loving yourself to begin with. Uh, you don't realize it, but you can most easily find your shadow by being aware of whenever or however you judge yourself, others, or the events of the world. Meditating on our judgments or on what they are allows us to see what we are projecting onto others or onto the world as a means of avoiding having to deal with the parts of ourselves that we don't want to acknowledge or engage. For example, you can find same-sex people who are still in the closet at anti-same-sex rallies bashing same-sex people because they're in denial and projecting their shadow, but it's a real bitch when you get caught doing that kind of shadow projection. I remember a few years back, a, a mayor, I think he was a mayor of a city, was caught. Uh, he, it was eventually found out that he was in the closet, but, he, but somebody caught pictures of him or caught him on film being quite rude and obnoxious at an anti-gay rally. And it turned out he was a gay guy living in the closet. And that's an exact example of shadow projection. Now, I can use an example for myself. I personally don't like Donald Trump's behavior, uh, policies on how to engage the people of the world um, or international policies, how he handles the environment or how he relates to women. But for my own shadow work, I choose to look at these factors within myself. But believe me, my ego tries to come up with all sorts of reasons I don't need to look and tries to tell me that these things don't exist within me. Why? Because if they do exist, they indicate that I need to change and that I too am part of the problems of the world I attribute to Trump and his followers, etc., or people that live that way. And that is very threatening to my ego illusion and my sense of control in my life. But I'm a big boy and 
because I trust that we're all expressions of each other and expressions of the universe and expressions of source, I know that whatever I see in the world that I don't like has its roots in me as well, because the ego creates the illusion of separation. But anyone who grows themselves with any depth spiritually knows that the ego is a functional illusion, but it is an illusion, has a, has a function, but it is an illusion. I'm s- I, w- I would hope that some of you have had the experience of having uh, deep and loving enough sex with your partner to have experienced a simultaneous orgasm where you no longer had individual identity and neither did you experience them as an, an other, but you merged so deeply into that person. It's as though you were being breathed by them and they were breathing you. So there's an example of something you can do without drugs that really is a great test to the uh, durability of the ego. And what it shows you is that love, intimate connection and love is more powerful than the ego's illusions of self or control. So now if we look at the collective shadow, the collective shadow is probably uh, was probably brought into our awareness Uh, by Carl Jung more than any other pioneer of our day, but it is agreed upon by many that Buddha was the first psychologist. And as I've alluded to earlier, he did his shadow work. So did Jesus. So all the great spiritual teachers have done deep shadow work and they wouldn't be great spiritual teachers. All you need to do to find explanations of the shadow in Buddhism is study the story of Buddha's life and his experience sitting under the Bodhi tree as he sought full enlightenment. Uh, Oh, actually, I thought I'd shared that with you already, so here it is. Uh, He had to deal with Mara, which in Buddhist terms is the great tempter, with all sorts of grandiose promises of riches and control over others and worlds that he could have, etc., but he knew better. In the biblical story of Jesus, we learn that after being baptized by John the Baptist, Jesus was tempted by the devil for 40 days and 40 nights in the Judean desert. During this time, Satan came to Jesus and tried to tempt him. Jesus, having refused each temptation, Satan then departed and Jesus returned to Galilee to begin his ministry. But take note, Jesus spent 40 days and 40 nights facing his shadow, and he surely was one of the most enlightened people of his day. So (laughs) our short shadow session needs to go on, uh, and I work on it every day, I really do. I watch the judgments come. And a tip for you is if you're judging, you're separating yourself from someone. So if you say that person's a real asshole, that's a judgment. But if you observe, you're not separating yourself. For example, if you say, I observe so-and-so is really behaving like an asshole right now, and it's sad to see that. Then you're observing, but you're not disconnecting. You're actually allowing yourself to see that that is a person who is confused and pain, scared, acting out for attention, but you can see the, the, the child there. You, you aren't rejecting the person. So a real important t- thing for us all t- is to really be clear on the difference between an observation and a judgment. And it's important when we're doing shadow work that we identify where our judgments are because those are areas where we're cutting um, our contact with ourself out. 
And the more contact we cut with ourself out, the more contact we cut out of our relationships. Because if you cut contact with any part of yourself out, that part can't be present in relationship with others, even the people you love. And when enough people do that in the world, then we have a world population who is actually so disconnected from themselves that they can never really be conscious of what's truly happening in the world right in front of them, and that leads to a crisis or to wars. Most wars are really uh, the result of projections by leaders or groups of people onto other people. So these teaching stories are examples of what happens when we encounter our individual shadow as well as our collective shadow the collective shadow is the unconsciously repressed repressed and denied material of all human beings that have lived on this planet or are here now on the planet. So what I'm driving at here, if it's not obvious yet, is that we are each individually and collectively tempted to believe, do, and say things that give us the illusion of power, status, rank, that seemingly make our life easier, like stealing resources from others others or other countries or pretending that we can keep killing nature and that food will always just magically pop up in the supermarket or that we will always win whatever wars we get into or that we won't get caught cheating in committed relationships or that we can rely on others to do our thinking for us and so on. But the truth of the matter is that this is 2020. So let's look at that from an archetypal perspective and see what 2020 means when you look at it using the viewpoints that I can share with you. Remember, mind requires two, the male conscious expressive and the female unconscious receptive, or yin and yang, uh, male is yang, female is yin. Um, it has to have a source, so source energy, Zero is source. So the first 20 symbolizes, and the first 20 of 2020 symbolizes that we are, it's what we have externalized of ourselves and our minds or our egos. So if you look at Ken Wilber's four quadrant model, take a cross, the upper left quadrant of the cross would be the personal interior. The lower left quadrant would be the collective interior, so the inner experience the inner life or the soul life of the collective. The upper right quadrant represents our bodies or the body of the people. And the lower right quadrant represents the collective exterior or the stage of the world uh, story where we're acting it out. Here it's earth and the universe. So our first 20 in 2020 is the symbol of the external expression of ourselves or our minds or our ego's illusions, the second 20 equals the dynamics the, uh, of the person within ourselves and within humanity, which is Ken Wilber's left-hand quadrants, the personal interior and collective interior. Therefore, we can say that 2020 from a numerology perspective or archetypally represents the time in human development when we must face the mirror and see all that we have hidden about ourselves, denied about ourselves, and see clearly what we're creating within and in our personal and intercultural relationships and what we're creating in relationship to the planet 
or Mother Nature. So it's a special year. It basically means it's the year to bring things out of the closet and clean out from under the beds and rugs and get clear with each other what we cannot do if we want to live on this planet together and uh, if we don't want to go through a sixth mass extinction, which will wipe us out. And if we want to have more harmony in relationships and share the resources on the planet. Now, these may seem like utopian ideals, but uh, it's good to have uh, a realistic goal to shoot for. And that realistic goal is as simple as paying attention to how we got here with regard to government, medicine, and all the issues involved. And look at how we got here with regard to diet and lifestyle and fast food and all that stuff and what the consequences are for ourselves and for nature. Hi, everyone. If you listen to my amazing podcast with marijuana expert Alicia Rose, you already know that there are many healing benefits to full-spectrum marijuana products, and I've never found a better, cleaner, more potent source of CBD oils and CBD oil options, gummies, skincare creams, pain relief creams, and more than one farm. All their products are farmed organically, And they do everything in-house to assure the highest quality, including small batch sizes and CO2 extraction to avoid damming the... uh, I'll do that paragraph again. All their products are farmed organically and they do everything in-house to assure the highest quality, including small batches and CO2 extraction to avoid damaging the essential nutrients in the plant so you get the most benefits from the products. I use them every day myself and my family loves them. Penny and Angie really like their skincare products as well. CBD oil can be really beneficial for reducing stress on the body, soothing the emotions, and calming the mind, in my experience, and it's totally natural. I can't think of a better means of supporting yourself through the stress of the crisis we've all been facing. I encourage all of you to go to https colon forward slash forward slash onefarm.com forward slash check. Click on the Explore tab when you're there, and then Our Story tab to see the beautiful video footage of their farm, the soil, the water, and the watering system, CO2 extraction, and more. I think you'll be very impressed with the high-quality certified organic farming operation they run. As a sponsor of Living 4D with Paul Check, One Farm generously offers you a 15% discount on any purchase by going to https colon forward slash forward slash onefarm.com forward slash check. That's C-H-E-K. No discount code is needed. Just follow the link. You'll know you're there because you'll see pictures of me and some of my featured podcasts there. And your 15% coupon will be automatically added to your order. As always, One Farm and I would love to hear any feedback you and your pets would like to share. Enjoy. So now I'd like to offer you a meditation. Now that we have time to be with ourselves, and for many of you with family, we have time to meditate honestly on all the things we have repressed and denied about ourselves as individuals. The more we repress and deny about ourselves or others or the world, the more disempowered and tired we become. There is less and less of us to engage life in awareness because more and more of our potential is entangled in our shadow repressions and denials. So, To start your sort of meditative introspective exploration as part of how to manage yourself in crisis and use the crisis to your advantage, 
Start by listing all the things you dislike or even hate about yourself. Then go into meditation with your list looking at each of them. Once you've allowed yourself to be present with and express love to each of the wounded, broken parts of yourself, ask your soul or your higher self to illuminate you as to the positive potentials you have within you if you convert each of the self-denials or insults through love into freedom. So if you say, I'm ugly, then you can flip that over and say, well, if I'm ugly, I must also have the potential to do things that make me more beautiful. Maybe I could change my diet. Maybe I could lose some weight or put on some muscle. Or maybe I could uh, pay attention to what it is that I'm eating or drinking that's making my skin look so bad. So there's a simple example of how you can use the meditation. Now, emotionally, you can look, for example, if you have issues with anger, ask your soul to show you what is available to you without anger influencing the way that you relate to yourself and others. Next, start with your parents, then your family members, then leaders or key people in the world that you have judgments toward and go through the same process, but be sure to do the healing work and ask your soul, which is your inner consciousness, to show you what potentials we have collectively if we heal our shadow and get back to supporting each other and nature. Yes, it will take some real work to balance ourselves on the planet, but it is the real work of both creating freedom for ourselves and each other, and it is the work of creating sustainability moving forward. I don't think you need to be a genius to figure out that if we don't start doing this work now, which is really one of the gifts of this whole pandemic, or so-called crisis, that we're going to keep pushing it and repressing it. And, and uh, you know, the more you repress, the more you pressurize, and eventually you get an explosion, and it comes out with a bang. And oftentimes, uh, this repression leads to addiction to try to alleviate the pain or create the um, experience of safe love. But uh, we don't really have the time to be using drugs to repress what we need to deal with in mature, healthy, spiritual ways. To take the meditation from the subjective state of introspection into accountability or action, write a list of how you will act in life and identify dream affirmative ways for each of the issues or items you have identified as a means of living and loving more fully within yourself, your relationships, and in relationship to the planet. Do your best to identify where you're willing to have more empathy and compassion for those that do outwardly express the tendencies you've expressed uh, or repressed and denied within yourself so that you uh, can see what it looks like. That's what Donald Trump represents to me, the parts of me that I don't like seeing in action, but that in awareness allow me to have more love, empathy, and compassion for him and those who emulate and worship him. And even when I'm acting that way, if I'm being too, uh, you know, if I'm acting in ways to women that may be fun for me, but invasive for them, if I'm uh, saying nasty things in emails or texts, which I'm very careful not to do, um, you know, the list is long. If you can't find Donald Trump in yourself, then I have to say that you're a spiritual wimp because he displays so many things that could be 
healed. And he is the president of the United States, which means he represents the largest body of people. And the fact that he may not have actually won the vote, but it may be, uh, have been rigged, but we still allowed it to happen, shows how little we're willing to engage the truth and participate in a democracy, which is something that's deeply concerning to me. So now let's talk about love. As I've shared in my Evolve Yourself series and other of my solo podcasts, love emerges in three stages, I, we, and all. Love is the ultimate means of creating freedom for oneself and others, and even for the creatures or beings of nature that we are so hard on, largely unconsciously. In other words, most people don't realize the ramifications of their choices. When we invest the awareness, time, and energy into loving ourselves more honestly and fully and celebrating the grand mystery of our own existence as an individual, the love we cultivate naturally flows over into our we relationships, relationships with any other, be it person, place, or thing. As we love ourselves and others more openly and honestly, which does require real shadow exploration and healing, as evidenced by the stories of Buddha, Jesus, and many other enlightened beings, and I have a special quote from Rumi in that regard coming right up for you, we naturally begin to see and experience the world through the eyes of love. When we do that, we can begin to embrace the beauty of the crisis we are in and see the great, amazing possibilities for our future and how we can create more freedom for ourselves, others, and the people of the world, not to mention Mother Nature. One of my favorite Rumi quotes that really helps keep things in perspective whenever I'm challenged or facing some kind of crisis that is amazingly powerful, I'd like to share with you now. Rumi, I believe, is the most powerful poet <laughs> that ever lived. Certainly there's other great ones, but wow, Rumi's unbelievable. So Rumi says this in regard to uh, what we're going through. This being human is a guest house. Every morning, a new arrival, a joy, a depression, a meanness. Some momentary awareness comes as an unexpected visitor. Welcome and attend them all. Even if they're a crowd of sorrows who violently sweep your house empty of its furniture, still treat each guest honorably. He may be clearing you out for some new delight. The dark thought, the shame, the malice. Meet them at the door laughing and invite them in. Rumi. <laughs> That's what inspires me to grow. How can you not hear that and just realize that these are the words of a mystic who certainly lived through his own level of hell? In fact, it's such a powerful poem. I'll read it for you again. This being human is a guest house. Every morning, a new arrival, a joy, a depression, a meanness, some momentary awareness comes as an unexpected visitor. Welcome and attend them all, even if they're a crowd of sorrows who violently sweep your house empty of its furniture. Still treat each guest honorably. He may be clearing you out for some new delight. The dark thought, the shame, the malice. Meet them at the door laughing and invite them in. Rumi. So, you might want to rewind that a few times and let it sink in, but 
it certainly is my inspiration every day. And there are days I don't do so well at it, but there are times when I catch myself and I've had plenty of times to catch myself through this coronavirus and the challenges of moving our homes and all sorts of wild things that we've been going through since this all started, but it's all good. We have lots of love and we have food, water, shelter, safety, warmth, love, and each other. So uh, those are the basics. And um, so what I'd like to do now is talk about love as freedom. In Billy Bragg's excellent book, The Three Dimensions of Freedom, he shares that there are three dimensions of freedom, which are liberty, equality, and accountability. So let's look at these three dimensions of freedom as expressions of love. And keep in mind that I'm speaking in this regard of how to create stability in a crisis. Liberty, the state of being free within society from oppressive restrictions imposed by authority on one's way of life behavior, or political views. Equality, the state of being equal, equality in status, rights, and opportunities. Accountability, the fact or condition of being accountable, acting with responsibility. Now, if you look at the word responsibility and put a dash between response and ability, it says response-ability, our ability to respond. If you don't love and care for yourself, your capacity for responsibility diminishes, and those with power and control agendas can simply take you over without any healthy resistance. <laughs> Look around and see what's going on, and you can see a tremendous amount of people believing what they see on the news, and all the bogus data, and you know all sorts of stuff, which just gives me empathy for them because they're really caught in the programming of the system that we have unfortunately allowed to emerge in some way each of us including myself have played a part in that and that's one of the reasons I do what I do uh, whether it be my YouTube videos my podcasts the entire education system I've developed through the Czech Institute pretty much my whole life is devoted to contributing because that's what makes me feel the best my experience is we tend to feel the most alive and the most whole when we're doing things to support others. Now that we have time to be with ourselves, we can express our love for ourselves by exploring the three dimensions of freedom within ourselves. Here are some examples you can use for your own introspective meditation on love as freedom. Liberty. Where am I restricting my love and freedom from myself by repressing myself? Where is my shadow being projected onto myself as diminishing judgments? In other words, where am I being my own grumpy, nasty parent or judge? Fear. F-E-A-R. False evidence appearing real. Where is the fear that I'm responding to authentic versus just a product of my own internal bad habits or responding to gossip or even fake news? Am I willing to do the work necessary to get to the bottom of these issues and find more comprehensive viewpoints by experts that can see what I can't see so I'm not reacting to uh, an illusion? 
And where am I emulating the control dramas with myself or others that I resented when my parents, teachers, or others imposed them upon me? In other words, where am I behaving just like the people that drive me crazy and don't realize that I'm doing it until I take time to really witness and be present with myself? How can I have more liberty within myself by freeing myself of shadow and self-imposed restrictions that stop me from living fully? Am I willing to use the time I have now to sing more, dance more, enjoy good stories that empower me, enjoy being alone with myself, and look at the grand mystery of the world, the universe, and life in awe? I, I particularly like to do that, personally. Uh, last night, I was getting into bed, and I looked out at the stars and was hearing the sound of the frogs and nature and you know, just thinking about this whole coronavirus issue and all the dramas and political silliness going on and manipulation and lies and greed. And oh, I looked out at the stars and listened to the sounds and I thought, you know, it's just too beautiful to let myself get sidetracked. The stuff just comes and goes like the weather, and sometimes it's better to just stay centered in yourself. And then we can ask ourselves, can I create freedom within the sanctity of my own mind each day, which is exactly what I was describing me doing. Next is equality. Where can I treat the wounded parts of myself or even the ugly parts of myself with more equality? What can I do to heal those parts of myself? so there isn't so much polarity within me? Where can I be more empathetic and compassionate to others I share personal, professional, and spiritual relationships with? And this is where we remember the golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you, which many people think actually emanates from religion. But a little tip for you, the golden rule actually came from Confucius. How's that? How can I be and contribute to being a more positive influence in the world? What does the world need that I have as as an expression of my love and my natural genius? All of us are pieces of this cosmic puzzle, this earthly puzzle, the earthly play. I don't care how dumb you might think you are or limited you think you are or handicapped you think you are, or broken you think you are. I know from a lifetime of working with people and coaching people that every one of us is a genius, and all of us came to this world with something unique and special to contribute to the world, to each other. And at a time like this, when many of us are not working and have time at home, what a great opportunity to really get deep inside of ourselves and get honest about what it is that we love to do enough that our genius naturally comes through us. We may not make as much money, but as Maxwell Maltz says, success is getting what you want. Happiness is wanting what you get. And there's no way better than doing what you love to do to create happiness and want what you get. 
Hi, everybody. You know, one of my favorite products from Symbiotica is a product called Heal All, and I was very fortunate to be one of the people that it was given to to test it when it was in production. And it's an amazing product. It is excellent for uh, if you have a, an injury. And it just so happened that I had actually hurt my neck lifting heavy stones and kind of tweaked my lower cervical spine where I have my old injury and was in a lot of pain from uh you know the the sort of the strain that i'd put through there and i immediately put the heel all on it and it did far better than any of the other products that i was trying at the time and heel all is not only good for musculoskeletal injuries like training injuries or work injuries but it's good for supporting you with body pains in general burns insect bites sunburn or pretty much anything where you need more healing power and i asked Sherbeen if he would come share some of the specifics about heal all so you can understand even better you know i wanted to make something that actually worked what a concept <laughs> can, can you can you actually believe that yeah not a cream not a lotion something that penetrates the transdermal skin and gets into the bloodstream and actually provides growth factors and information and coding so the problem can be fixed and that's why it's called heal all this this design right here it penetrates deep into problem areas. So if you're sore, got a sore shoulder, yes. or you burn something on the, your foot or whatever it is. I can literally feel it going in. You know why you can feel it? Because of the DMSO. Because there's dimethyl, dimethyl sulfoxide in there, yes. which pushes everything in there. We have 500 milligrams of CBD in here. We have tetrahydrocurcumin, so the highest bioavailable form of curcumin. We have arnica. We have um, ginger. We have zextine, magnesium. We have all kinds of power powerful medicinals in here. I can't even tell you the whole list. Someone's got to go and look for themselves. That's how powerful this is. Nothing like this has ever been done before. And it's in a glass Myron bottle with a glass ball. So it's a roller. There's no waste. Nothing's getting deteriorated. This is the top shelf, highest quality ever. Yes. I love the product. I just hope I don't ever have to use it. But when I do, at least I know I have a real powerful tool in my medicine chest. So get on over to Symbiotica, C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A.com. And to get your 15% discount on checkout, use the code capital C, capital H, capital E, capital K, 15. And as always, let me know what you think. I love these products or I wouldn't share them with you. And I'm quite positive you're going to have the same kind of experience that I've had, which is enough to get me excited about sharing them with you. Enjoy. How can I facilitate equality as part of a democracy? And that's an important question for all of us at this time in our lives. As we do this healing work within ourselves and our relationships, we are naturally inspired to a greater capacity for agency. So let's look at this word so we are clear what I'm saying here. Here's some definitions of agency. I've excluded definitions of agency that aren't relative to our discussion or relevant to our discussion because there's quite a number of definitions of agency. Our first one is the office or function of an agent. When we love and appreciate ourselves and others, we are agents of love. So there's an act of agency. Next, the relationship between a principal and that person's agent. When we love and respect those that represent us, then naturally we are more inclined to do the same for ourselves and others. Often our parents serve as our agents. Sometimes it's our bosses or our boss or our teachers. Sometimes it's our spiritual guides or gurus. 
But it's wise for us to let our own soul be the agent of our own ego, particularly when things get challenging in life, because the ego is often very fear-based and tries to keep everything the same and gets overly excited, and that leads to lots of adrenaline and cortisol, which triggers the left brain and blocks creative thinking. But if we develop our relationship with our soul, as I teach in HLC2 and in my Primal Pattern Eating online course, then that practice becomes a very good practice of deferring from ego to the higher self or the soul. And my experience is my life goes much better when I let my soul be my agent, my representative for making important decisions. Next, the capacity, condition, or state of acting or exerting power. When we love ourselves and others, we exert power in meaningful and helpful ways. That may be simply that we are a positive influence on others. It surely means that we lead by example. Another application of agency in this regard is standing up for freedom of speech and sharing our opinion in nonviolent ways and helping others gain a more comprehensive, holistic viewpoint and us gaining the viewpoints of others so we can all make well-informed decisions together. This is clearly critical now with the pandemic we are experiencing, that is. It is also important Uh, when we consider that the world has a history of such events repeating themselves, but with each such event, uh, as we grow spiritually, we become more and more efficient in contributing to balance through effective leadership. Next, as an established, uh, excuse me, as an establishment engaged in doing business for another, such as an advertising agency or a real estate agency, We can all do the business of living and loving well for each other and the planet. Effective marketing, or ethical marketing, I should say, is simply telling the truth attractively. We can all work together to use our talents and geniuses to find viable solutions for the challenges of the world today. We can all be wise enough to realize that each of us is advertising the results of our belief system and the way of life that we live to the rest of the world and take a Uh, and take a moment to ask ourselves, is it really working for me? Is it working for all of us? Am I creating health and freedom for myself, others, or the world by living the way that I am? Am I unconsciously contributing to the passivity that allows loss of freedom of speech and our rights as citizens, which I go into with Dr. Mercola in a recent podcast that if you haven't listened to, it's really important to listen to because you will get clear on ways that you can protect yourself and uh, also by sharing information like that podcast, help others act more democratically and be less controlled by um, corporations that are imposing themselves upon us uh, almost in a fascist regime, unfortunately. Next, as an administrative division, as of government, the Agency of Consumer Protection, for example. Hopefully, by now, you can see that we are the government. Lao Tzu said, the government always reflects the people. This can be hard for some of us to swallow, but here we are with a plethora of corruption uh, corruption in governments around the world, with governments doing little to nothing to protect natural resources of the planet, with governments seeing our natural resources merely as commodities, which, as we are all 
aware to some degree translates into the destruction of nature and contributes to mass extinction of the very species of plants, trees, and animals that support us. By becoming well-governed as individuals, we participate more naturally by being more well-governed in our personal relationships. There are only six degrees of separation between any two people in the world. So when we take agency born of our love for ourselves into our relationships and into our relationships with nature and with life, we are enacting equality in government. Soon enough, we start seeing loving people that express the agency born of sustainable freedom within our governments. The children of today are the leaders of tomorrow. Let's love them all and love them well. Teach them well and be great examples for them. Many of you are at home with your children right now, and what a great chance to apply these essential principles of love and freedom with and for them. They are the leaders and politicians of tomorrow. Some of you may not be a free, uh, excuse me, some of you may not be aware of the concept of six degrees of separation between any two people in the world. Basically, uh, Tony Robbins taught this to me when I was attending one of his seminars. Um, I used to work as his therapist and spend a fair bit of time with him. But uh, he cited research, I don't remember what the research paper was. This is probably 1990. Uh, but he showed that research had showed that essentially it only takes about six well thought out attempts to contact anybody in the world. So, for example, if I wanted to uh, get a hold of Donald Trump, <laughs> which would be an interesting conversation, um, it technically would not take more than six contacts for me to ultimately reach Donald Trump. If I wanted to reach any of you based on the concept of six degrees of separation, I would only have to make six, up to six well-placed phone calls or communications to reach you. So we all know the world's getting smaller and smaller due to technology. So it means that if we become well-governed individuals, knowing that there's only six degrees of separation in the world, we do have the capacity to influence the whole world. In other words, if we share love with a friend who shares love with their friend, who shares love with one of their family members who lives in another country, it can make it right around the world uh, quite, quite quickly. Next, I'd like to con uh, talk of a concept that I learned studying Jungian psychology. There's actually a great audio uh, recording on this you can get through Sounds True uh, by Miriam Woodman, and it's called Holding the Tension of the Opposites. What Jung taught is that whenever we're facing a challenge or a crisis or something like uh, thinking we should get a divorce or we should quit a job or somebody has... Uh, really offended us or attacked us and our reaction, our initial reaction is to want to strike back even more vigilantly probably. Or whenever we're at a, a sort of a fork in the road in our life where we're not sure what to do, Jung stated we should look at the negatives. We should look at what are the negative factors about whatever it is that's challenging us and then look at the positives 
And then instead of reacting and, and making a move too quickly, basically just hold the highest intention and ask whatever you believe to be source for guidance. Maybe God, maybe the universe, uh, maybe your soul, um, whatever. But the key thing is not to react but to wait and to observe, look for synchronicities, look for indicators, and trust that when you feel a sense of alignment within yourself and you can act from a place of your center and feeling response-able, not acting out of anger, violence, frustration, or fear, then it's a safe time to respond. So. That's what it means to hold the tension of the opposites. In alchemy, it would be related to the process called separatio, which means separate all the issues and all the factors out, then go into sublimation, which means to rise above where you can get a big picture view and meditate until you have a sense of alignment and clarity within yourself. And whenever we're in a crisis situation, like we've now been in for a while, especially when a lot of people are really freaking out because they're either running out of money or are out of money and businesses I've I've already had several reports from friends that businesses are shutting down all around them in fact one of my clients shut her business down uh, which she was ready to do and this just opened the opportunity uh, but there there are a lot of people um in in situations that typically lead to a lot of fear-based reactions and when we're facing the kind of uh, political uh, and medical manipulation that we're facing right now. Uh, it's good to hold the tension of the opposites until we can get centered, or oftentimes we need to talk to people that are wiser than us, that have experience dealing with the kind of challenges that we're facing uh, with the pandemic or whatever issue we have in our life that may require holding the tension of the opposites. Now, there are some other practices that I find really helpful in a time of crisis. And as I said early in the podcast, I have been through my share of crisis, I'll tell you. So I should be getting pretty good at it by now, <laughs> but I still have to use all this stuff. Believe me, I have a fiery dragon inside of me, and sometimes it takes a lot to hold it back. So now what I'd like to do is offer you some other practices that I find helpful in times of crisis like we're in now, and that can be a personal crisis, a family crisis, a social, cultural, or world crisis. These approaches, I think, work, at least they've worked for me with all of them. So the first one I'd like to start with is gratitude. Gratitude is giving thanks for what you have. You know, there's a lot we can be thankful for. Yes, it's easy to get caught in the frustrations of the economy, potentially collapsing or, you know, all the kind of, you know, monsters in the closet with all this sort of stuff. But I find when I'm really stressed and, and uh, facing challenges, if I take time, which I do each morning to start my day, in fact, I devote about an hour every morning of prayer and gratitude as part of my worship practice, which I'll get into shortly. But Whenever you're feeling shorted or 
in a state of lack or deficiency, if you stop and just look at all the things in your life to give gratitude for, you can start with breath. Oh, I've got breath. You can start with the fact that you can get access to clean water, that you have food to eat, that you have a shelter over your head, and that your body is still working, and that you have warmth, and that you have people that love you, and that you have the opportunity to love yourself each day, and that many people do and have contributed to your life. and. Certainly, you've probably had great teachers in your life that have really given you wisdom that's helped you in your life. And you can even be grateful, as Rumi suggests, for the challenges in our life, because ultimately those are the things that really grow us. Most people don't grow that much when everything's hunky-dory. They grow when there's challenges at hand. So I think right now in this crisis that we've been in and are in, and hopefully it'll, uh, people will have gone back to work by the time you get to hear this recording, that's my dream, um, we'll be able to have gratitude for that. But otherwise, we can have gratitude for the chance to do the kind of deeper healing work I'm suggesting here for putting yourself in a place through your own healing where you can effectively manage any crisis. Next is worship. And worship can come in many forms. Gratitude is one. Um, just being expressing love in nature and in relationships is a form of worship. Being grateful for your food. Um, really, worship is is deciding what you have reverence for, what is sacred to you, and recognizing that and honoring that preferably each day. Um, I spend a lot of time in the morning and in the evening doing that. Um, I think it helps me personally tremendously. Prayer is a, a very potent form of worship, and it's been used for uh, forever, um, because human life has always been challenging. It's It really is challenging. Um, there's nobody whose life isn't touched by challenges, losses, uh, you know, frustrations and entanglements, um, battles of some kind or another. And there's a lot of people that don't really believe that prayer works. And for them, I would like to give some references because somebody who's done a lot of research into this area, whose uh, books are all excellent, who's a very evolved human being, is Larry Dossie, MD. So the titles of some of the books and audios that I personally recommend for anyone that wants to understand more about how prayer works and look at some of the scientific evidence that it does work are the following. Prayer is Good Medicine, How to Reap the Healing Benefits of Prayer by Larry Dossie, MD. Be careful what you pray for. You might just get it. What we can do about the unintentional effects, effects of our thoughts, prayers, and wishes by Larry Dossie, MD. The Power of Prayer, Connecting with the Wisdom of the Universe by Larry Dossie, MD. Uh, some of these are available in, in paperback or hardback and audible. And I think the last one, The Power of Prayer, Connecting with the Wisdom of the Universe, is only available in 
from Audible or possibly Kindle, but they're all very, very good books. That I can pretty much promise you. So when we're worshiping, it's up to each of us to decide how it is we connect to source, how it is we connect to our soul, how it is that we create worship. Um, And ritual is a very important part of worship. Because when we have rituals such as morning prayer or praying for our food or starting our day with reverence and thanks and ending our day that way and being grateful for the people who touch us in our lives, uh, personally, what I find is that my act and practice of worship is ongoing. There's, there's really no need for me to celebrate uh, you know, Thanksgiving, for example, because I'm in that state daily. And these types of things really do help us through any kind of a crisis. Next is personal and distance healing. You know, I spend a lot of time doing healing work on myself and distance healing for others. In fact, um, for quite some time, I've been doing distance healing for family members that are going through some challenges. And I do distance healing as part of my work professionally. And I do it because I know for sure it works. And I've also looked at a lot of scientific research on it. Uh, People like Dean Radin have given us lots of evidence, and Larry Dossie, and many others out there. So, if you're working with the material I'm sharing in this podcast, then you are doing personal healing. And if you're doing your personal healing, then you are doing distance healing automatically because you're part of the universal mind, the universal web, and anything that you do, for better or worse, is distributed instantly throughout the web due to non-local connections. So ultimately, our personal healing is distance healing, but directing positive, loving intention and visualizing anybody or any animal or, or creature as whole and holding that vision of them and giving thanks for their wholeness is a very effective form of distance healing. Next is counting to 10 before you react, particularly when others need a wise response from you. And that is uh, sort of a common way of holding the tension the opposites for 10 seconds. We usually react from our programmed responses, which usually is mirroring one or both of our parents' uh, typical behaviors in similar situations. But when we're feeling stressed or we feel ourselves about to strike or bite or be nasty, if we just count to 10 and ask ourselves, what would love do now? We can up our game and, and um, you know go to that place um, where we know we're acting from our highest self. Next is education. Education is always beautiful. And when we have a crisis like we do now, where we have a lot more time to do these kinds of things, educating yourselves in areas that can be beneficial to helping you understand life better, deepen your spirituality, improve your vocation or profession, or enhance your creative skills such as music, art, uh, poetry, story writing, um, any of the things that really 
nourish you, then, then the, the so-called crisis becomes a gift. Next is celebration. You know, if we've got food, safety, water, shelter, warmth, breath, and love, there's always something to celebrate because we have those things. So um, taking time to celebrate, I like to celebrate with each meal because I really love eating and I'm very grateful to Mother Nature for feeding me and becoming me. So any act of celebration is really beautiful and it can be singing in the shower, singing in your car, um, looking at your body in the mirror and celebrating the gift of your body and how beautiful and amazing it is. So celebrating is always uh, beautiful. And the thing we can celebrate is that we're all in this together. It's been a long time, at least in my lifetime now of almost 59 years, since the whole world was involved in one event together. So I'd say, let's celebrate. We're all on the same sheet of music right now. <laughs> For better or worse, we are dancing to the same tune. And what a great way to know you're connected and that we're all experiencing something together. Next is sharing. You know, whenever you have resources that you can share with others that need them, that's a great act of love. So, you know, sharing is important. That's what my YouTube videos are. They're my sharing. My PPS Success Mastery Program is something that I do pretty much at a loss, but I do it to share my love and life experience with others. Um, communicating with loved ones and signing petitions that are important. So communicating with loved ones is is obvious, just you know, it's what it is, communicating with loved ones, but also signing petitions such as petitions against Donald Trump for destroying natural resources and continuing oil drilling and fracking and petitions against Google invading our privacy and Facebook selling our personal details uh, and data mining us and anything that you can add your voice to is really participating in a democracy. And when there's enough petitions, uh, enough signatures on a petition, then it really tells the government that people are paying attention. For example, a petition against putting 5G systems in would be very wise. And there's lots of them going around. I've already signed some myself. Next is resting. A lot of us have become so addicted to do, do, do all the time and constantly on the go that when we get an opportunity like this, instead of getting all wound up and focusing on what you don't want, what a great time to rest. Arnold Patton in his Universal Principles says something like this, I'll paraphrase, whenever you have the sense you must act out of duty or obligation, it's best to lie on the ground and rest until the urge passes. And only get up when you can do that act out of love. So there's a, sort of a mini rest that can be very useful when you're feeling overwhelmed because you have so much you've got to do. And, and you know, it might be kids, it might be people, uh, but, you know, laying on the ground and waiting until the sense that you have to act out of duty or obligation to somebody else passes and getting up when you can do it out of love can be very, very transforming to your relationships with yourself and other people. Next is dreaming. Dreaming of your optimal self-expression and of our collective wholeness. And dreaming 
gives way to prayer because once you're clear on what your dream for yourself and what your dream for the world is, you can use prayer to give thanks for that, energize that potential in source. And wherever we put our intention, we draw energy and information into the embodiment of that reality. And if enough of us dream and pray together for a more balanced democracy and a more balanced world and a more healthy, more balanced medical system and things like that, we can all really have a powerful influence. Next is creativity. Creativity is the best way to solve challenges. In fact, um, one of the people I interviewed, Amit Goswami, G-O-S-W-A-M-I, Amit Goswami, has an entire book on creativity that's absolutely excellent. I loved it. And if you haven't listened to my podcast with Amit Goswami, um, it's really good. And he's got several fantastic books. Now, another one is enjoying sex. I'm very curious. I was listening to a podcast with Keith Witt and Jeff Salzman from the Integral um, Life Group. Um, and, and he was asking, geez, I wonder you know, how the, the baby count's going to be after this um, coronavirus lockdown, because a lot of people have time to you know, make love. And when men start resting, usually their sex energy goes up quite a bit, and women too. But I know as a man, when I get enough rest, all of a sudden everything just turns right back on and I feel like a youthful tiger again, and I love it. So, you know, sex is really joyous and and juicy and tasty and fun and exciting and, oh, connecting. So, hey, if you're listening to this right now and you're not back at work, then here's a great time to enjoy some sex with somebody you really enjoy being intimate with or yourself. Hey, love yourself first. You don't have expectations from your partner to make you happy. But if you got a partner that you love doing it with and they're all for it, then um, you don't need to do it with yourself. You can go share it with your partner. Next is enjoying your pets. Our pets really don't get caught in all these dramas. They do feel our stress and they do worry about us and they do even take on negative energies to help us heal. There's countless uh, documentation of animals uh, getting diseases that emulated their owner's diseases. When their owners healed, they spontaneously healed as well. So our pets give us an opportunity to see what it's like to be free of all the, <laughs> the human cerebral activity. <laughs> and so if you have pets, that's fantastic. Um, we're thinking about getting a couple of dogs for the kids at our new place once we get settled, but we're kind of enjoying not having to clean up dog poop since we lost Maggie. Unfortunately, she got eaten by a coyote, which is a real bummer, but um, enjoying your pets can be absolutely lovely. There's just lots of love to be given and receive from pets, and what a great place to practice loving as well. Next is enjoying your garden or your plants. I have a tremendous love for my plants and all the uh, garden, our new place. We have 14 acres of just incredible, beautiful land and trees and fruit trees and flowers and just amazing life. But I have a lot of 
very special plants and trees right now in my office. I'm looking at three or four, I got four beautiful trees and a great big mama plant that's been with me since she was a little baby. She's been with me for, wow, uh, 13 plus eight. So 21 years, I think that is. And she's just my buddy and she helps me do a lot of healing. So enjoying your plants and your garden is always grounding. And then finally, journaling. Um, Well, not finally, journaling and then art. Journaling is a great way to express your inner world and to bring your shadow material up on the table, your inner dialogue. If you haven't read Carl Jung's Red Book, which is now, I think, a three-part series, talk about some extensive and powerful journaling through his active imagination practice. And if you haven't seen his red books, Carl Jung's art is mind-blowing. You will quickly see how deep this guy was and why I really love him and his teachings when you realize how profound of a human being this guy was on so many levels. And of course, art is something I do. I love art and I teach art and I use it in my work with clients and patients and have studied art therapy and for many years and use it and have developed my own system of art therapy, which works amazingly well. And I've seen so much healing in my students and in my patients and clients through learning to express themselves artistically. And um, I can't tell you enough, and it doesn't take a lot, just a piece of paper and a pencil and just get over any attachment to what it looks like and just let the little child in you come out and just doodle or sketch and just play and and put no judgment on it just let things move out of you Um, one thing i do is a practice i call turning shit into flowers and if i'm really frustrated or upset or irritated or angry about something i found if i just draw or paint exactly how i feel and then sit with it for a while and and ask my heart to show me what it sees in the same situation. So maybe an argument with somebody and I say to my heart, which is home of the soul and metaphor, I say, dear soul or dear heart, show me what you see when you look at this situation. And then I just go into a meditative state and see what vision arises. And I'm always absolutely blown away. And so then I paint that. Sometimes I take the same piece of art and say, okay, now how can I add beauty to this? And then I look at what comes out of the ugliness and it teaches me how to transform pain into freedom and pain into love and uh, disconnection into connection. So that brings me to the end of my offering for you as a offering of how to create stability in times of crisis. I hope you enjoy the meditations, healing approaches, and approaches for creating freedom for ourselves other than the wor- others and the world that I've shared today. If you feel this Im- uh, information as important as I do, please share it widely so we can all do our healing work and growth work and world work together. And as somebody whose teachings I find very powerful and beautiful, Dustin DiPerna says so beautifully, it's time for all of us to wake up, clean up, grow up, and show up And I could not agree more. So Dustin DiPerna, if you happen to be listening to this, thank you very much for all the love and beauty you've added to the world with your teachings and your books. If any of you are interested in some very deep understanding of consciousness, just search 
Dustin Diperna, D-I-P-E-R-N-A, on Amazon. Uh, last time I purchased books from him, he had three books, uh, which were all excellent. One of them is, I've referenced many times, Streams of Wisdom. So hopefully you'll use this special time in all of our lives to do the kinds of healing work and spiritual practices I've suggested. When we go back to work and being able to socialize on a larger scale, the results of our isolation will be apparent to all if we have done some healing work and we will be doing distance healing on everybody and you never know, they might show up uh, such that the grumpy is happy and the soggy is fluid and the uh, fiery is calmed. In the meantime, let's celebrate the great rest Mother Earth has been given from this pandemic. She really needs a chance to breathe, restore uh, herself, and for us to have time to realize how important she is to our very existence. So less traffic, less industry, less pollution, less things being cut down and destroyed and bulldozed and trashed and all that. So I think there are a lot of amazing benefits behind all this uh, isolation and pandemic. And each of us uh, can do the things that uh, inspire us to heal, grow, and stay connected and look for the beauty hiding in the situation. And as Arnold Mendel says in his many excellent books, people are afraid of chaos, but they don't realize that there's a lot of information in chaos. Uh, you know, many creation stories say the whole universe comes out of chaos. Obviously, there's a lot of information in there because uh, we came out of that chaos too. So by holding the tension of the opposites and sitting with the chaos or doing what the alchemists called uh, cooking in it instead of trying to medicate it, we can really get more deeply in touch with our thoughts, feelings, emotions, our values, and become better observationalists, better listeners, and better lovers. So my love and cheat to all of you, I really appreciate you sharing your time and space with me on the podcast, and thank you for sharing it with others. Thank you for any purchases you made from our sponsors. Um, they really uh, have expressed a genuine interest in the love and the support of the podcast, and they all have uh, values that are aligned with the values that I stand for in the Czech Institute and in my life. And um, you can rest assured that anything I'm sharing with you, I've tested and I really believe is worth the investment or I would not uh, dare damage my hard-earned reputation for selling uh, things that I don't feel are really worthy of your awareness. So lots of love. I hope by the time you listen to this, you're back at work and we're moving forward into a higher level of connection with each other, with nature, and realization of what we can all do to make the world safer and uh, contribute to a democracy. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Living 4D with Paul Check. You can follow Paul on Instagram and Twitter at Living4DPodcast or on his YouTube podcast channel, youtube.com forward slash Living4D with Paul Check. You can watch more on Paul's blog at paulchecksblog.com and at the Czech Institute streaming channel, chikiva.com.